0: Good morning, you're listening to Drinking Socially,
1: the official untapped podcast. Your inside look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. I'm John, and
0: I don't even have a cellar or a basement anymore, but in their absence, I've made good use of a small shelf in my closet, which I call the cellar. Today, we're going to talk about how beers end up there in any cellar, not just my closet, but some of the things you should think about if you're planning to dedicate some of your own closet to this hobby.
1: And I'm Harrison and you know ba- barrels, cellars, darkness, uh, maybe a little magic. I mean, most importantly, patience and willpower. Those are kind of the things that are on our minds today as we finally drink some of those beers we bought years ago to be consumed on some vague future day for some elusive, but sure to be important reason we made up at the time. So today's that day. Um, so go ahead and grab one out of your cellar too a beer you've been kind of sitting on and waiting for excuse to drink. Now is a better time uh, than ever. So uh, and kind of join us on this journey.
2: And I'm Jen, a fellow podcaster that's lucky enough to join John and Harrison on a dive into our cellars in the second part of this episode. So We've all been spending more time at our home bars. This has been a great opportunity to open something special. I can't wait to see what everyone's been saving.
1: And as a reminder, Your Drinking Socially is released every other Wednesday morning. and can be found at podcast.untap.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. This has kind of become, you know, the new norm. We say it every time we we do this now, but uh, we're going to say it again today. And really kind of uh, one of uh, my favorite segments, too, uh, the weekend catch-up, where John and I kind of go back and forth about what we've been uh Drinking, seeing in the beer world on the news side of things. Just kind of keep it casual and, and just, yeah, do a quick little catch up. I know John's been getting some pretty cool beers in recently. What did uh, you kind of come across this past weekend?
0: Yeah, I, um, I had a great experience with uh, an online company. I know them as Beer Drop. And um, it's just, I think it's been long enough. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't know how to say this with Couth. I love supporting my local breweries and my local businesses, but it was really nice. Beer Drop was able to send some beers straight from Colorado. They're generally small, local Colorado breweries. And I was really excited to get my hands on, I'm going to say karate cake Mm. or carrot. I get it. I I won't say it right, but it's a play on carrot cake from Fiction Brewing. And they actually collaborated with Tattered Flag, who's in Pennsylvania, their veteran-owned brewery yeah and the write-up about the beer it was it was just as exciting as the beer. They wanted to create a something with similar characteristics to carrot cake nice. um, so not too much or too little of any ingredient. They started with a simple Berliner, some Pilsner malt, some wheat, a little bit of oats, and for the uh, air quotes, carrot cake simulation, mm. it was a hundred pounds of carrot juice Whoa. dark. Brown sugar, golden molasses, some lactose, and restrained. Thank you, usage of nutmeg <laughs> and cinnamon because those two things will carry anything away. But that beer, I remember drinking it. Uh, it was an instant five star for me, it, which which is kind of rare. And it, I drank a few before, but it nailed it, man. It was it was a Berliner carrot cake in a can, and it was it was so much fun to drink. I shared it with my wife last weekend, and I got a lot of. Comments on that uh, check-in on Untapped as well, which was kind of cool to go back and talk about how how that all worked. Yeah. Uh, What about you, Harrison? Uh, What have you been drinking? Yeah, yeah.
1: So I I grabbed a beer this weekend that I've heard talked about um, a lot uh, for a couple different reasons. The first thing about this beer that jumped out to me before I had ever had it was its name and it kind of sent me down this path. It's called Reptar Juice. So kind of referencing... Uh, dinosaurs and, um, you know, rug rats and my youth Cats. and all that stuff. So that was so that right away kind of piqued my interest. And then uh, it's from 26 Acres Brewing Company uh, in Concord, uh, North Carolina, and it's a New England IPA. And it was really good. But something interesting about it that I've, I've kind of keep coming across again and again is it's what I'm it, it, the I would classify this as like a starburst beer, which is. Really, just a category I made up, as far as it I sounds know. amazing, right? But, yeah, but I felt like I've been having a lot of um, like juice for juicy, sweet, forward New Zealand cell IPAs that still had some nice bitterness to it, but there was definitely like a starburst characteristic that really couldn't be ignored. I'm having more and more of these, so as I drank this beer, I was like, it, it's it's uh, kind of describes itself as well. It's got Mosaic and Citra in it, which kicks off a lot of haze and a lot of fruit flavors and uh oats and this nice hazy orange uh beer that was it was delicious, but it was it was very starbursty. And I keep seeing that again and again. So I felt like, all right, what am I gonna call this category in my own head? And here I am sharing with you guys. Um I feel like it's happening enough now where yeah, it kind of it's it's useful to to say now pre pre beer, each one I have, is this going to be a Starburst one or something else? And and kind of start to evolve it that way. So it was great. Again, very juicy, some residual sweetness. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So uh only about five thousand check-ins on Untapped. On but if you're a dinosaur fan and a an, Newland an fan, maybe you can get your hands on it somehow, trade however you can. Um uh cause it's it was cool it was, and great artwork as well. Um definitely, definitely checked all my boxes.
0: That's, I love the idea that it, it kind of in your head created this Starburst IPA mm-hmm. or New England Starburst category. But I, I, as you explained it, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. You've got like the New England IPA is taking two
1: different, probably 12 yeah, exactly. different paths. Right. I know there's so many, so much diversions in there right now. It's in that category and it's really as exciting and new as it relatively is. There's also, it's also kind of been untouched for a while. There hasn't been um, at least like you have their milkshake IPA and like stuff like that that have been happening, sour IPAs, sour milkshake IPAs. So there's some variation happening there, but really kind of, I think it was, I think it's worth looking into the category a little more and highlighting some nuances because there is no, as we're kind of learning one kind of New England style IPA. And that was just an easy way to do it, to jump to just like the. Rugrats took me back to my youth. Starburst took me back to my youth. I'm sure I enjoyed them together more than once uh, back in the day, and uh it's kind of as a natural fit, just pop right in my head. So it was it was good. In, in terms of news, I didn't come across a ton, but I know John, you saw a cool story you wanted to share, and this this is great. Yeah, I think just looking for
0: news. You know, we're all probably living in the news, whether you want to be or not. Lately. Um, but one article I read, it was nice. It was a, it was a, it was an optimistic article, and it it comes from Goose Island Brewery, namely their Chicago location. Mm-hmm. But what you know, the sentiment behind it, I I love. They've effectively kind of taken the ice cream man business model, right, and built you know this this Goose Island van. And you can kind of place your orders. um, And I think they were even playing like ice cream truck music for a while, and they drive through the neighborhood. And as long as I believe the ruling was you have to place your order from their app Mm -hmm. um, or place your order ahead of time so that they won't just like drive down the street throwing beer yet. (laughs) It's not that perfect of a world yet. Um, But that I think is uh, I love seeing uh, or hearing about uh, breweries that are able to kind of pivot uh, their business model and and do this, which is which has got to be uh, helping make life a little bit easier. And, and realistically, in any in any normal that we live in, the world where an ice cream truck can deliver me a four pack of, of beer right on my front porch. That's that's great. I I, I hope to see more brewery is able to kind of get a little creative and inject some fun into the world that we all live in right now.
1: Yep, definitely could use a little more fun. That's what I thought when you told me that story. It just seemed like a yeah, kind of like a nice, yeah, lighthearted thing that uh yeah, that that but who who couldn't use more of that? That's uh, that's great. That's awesome. And
0: so the beer that we're <clears throat> about to review is not the product of of an ice cream truck delivery, <laughs> but I was really fortunate enough uh, that Harrison <laughs> Uh, kind of picked this beer up and was like, "Yeah, I got a, I got, I got a couple. I'm a, you want me to swing by?" And so we're able to drink on part one of this show. We're going to both drink the same beer, and it's it's only because Harrison was was, was my ice cream man sure. for a brief moment uh, before he threw a beer at me and kept driving <laughs> by. Right. But I don't stop. Harrison, <laughs> would would you be so kind as to explain how? Uh, how we landed on this beer to kind of kick off our cellaring episode and and what your thought process was on it.
1: Yeah, really uh, there are a couple of different things that went into it. Um the, as you kind of alluded to, we have more than one of them. So we each have two of these two of these beers as we'll discuss as we kind of drink uh, drink them today and talk about um cellaring beer, it's nice to have two of them. So you can drink one now and, and one later. And so it started there as that simple realization of, well, we can do that uh, with this beer. And then also it's something that um, we feel, uh, you know, it won't be impossible to to find. It's, it should be out there and, um, and you should be able to get your hands on it, which is, is great too. Um, something we're obviously trying to consider. It's uh, more fun to drink along um, uh, than it is to go, man, I wish I could get my hands on that. Um. So those are really kind of the two driving factors, if I remember correctly. Although, was there something else I'm forgetting, John? Yeah, I remember
0: that discussion, at least 50% of it. Okay. And I, I think that was it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's available. It's sort of, if we can air quotes, in season right now, right. this beer. right? And you made a really good point about, you know, if you can only get your hands on one can or bottle of beer, you should, in my opinion, you should drink it. Uh, if you're going to start cellaring, and we'll touch on some of this mm-hmm. uh, thoughtful education uh, as we kind of drink through this beer, but yeah. I love – and it kind of propelled what, what, you know, the, the beer cellaring episode that we're doing right now, but also – we're, we have an extra can of this beer that we purchased at the same time that's going to sit in, on my closet shelf that we're going to do another episode yeah. on next that's year. Right. And we, we'll be able to kind of draw back to the tasting notes from this episode and how a year in my closet changed it or a year behind Harrison's cows changed <laughs> uh, right. changed the beer a little right. bit. Right. What happened?
1: I know this is going to be really cool to have today's right episode easy to look, look back to and listen to next year when we crack open beer number two of this and say oh that's right we were talking a lot about coffee last year and this year it's all about chocolate or whatever it ends up uh being so yeah that's really cool so let's let's talk about this beer um itself and actually yes go ahead and yes. start opening them up and stuff too which is the fun part let's go ahead and crack them and i'm gonna i'm gonna give us the quick quick 411 or whatever on uh, <laughs> on this beer Ooh, there it is mm. So, today we are fortunate to have a barrel aged narwhal from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, which is their um, American Imperial Stout clocking in at like, there we are, 11.9% ABV, 50 IBUs. If you were with us in the From Russia with Love episode, you know, these Imperial Stouts can really get up there um, in bitterness. So, great um, to see that. And from Sierra Nevada, as um, they describe it, Barrel-aged Narwhal is our deliciously dark imperial stout aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. Barrel-aged is a strange science and mellows some characteristics of the original beer, while intensifying others. Narwhal's aggressive roastiness is calm, but the rich chocolate-like malt backbone is brought to the fore. Black as midnight. This intense stout is complex with notes of cocoa and espresso, balanced with hints of vanilla and toasted of coconut from the oak casks. Uh, that it rested in so i love this base beer just narwhal i think it's one of those like i don't know under celebrated imperial stouts and then to add some bourbon to it things get really exciting so i'm gonna go and pour mine we'll get into this
0: i have taken the liberty of pouring mine while harrison ran down the spec sheet on this beautiful beer and it the nose the nose Without getting it too granular, it just man, that's a beautiful pour, Harrison. Yeah, you know, um, as I can see through the zoom through the Zoom chat, that's gorgeous. Right. Let, um, let thank you, John Scholl, for the clean beer, clean glass right. episode in episode nine. That was that was something I took to heart. Uh, I couldn't go out locally and buy uh, special detergent, but Amazon was really helpful. There you go. Mm. Uh, the nose on this beer.
1: Do I get? I get like Easter dark chocolate candies. Like, it's. Yep, yep, yep. I'm getting what I get is like vanilla coconut chocolate. It's that, man, you know, I don't know if this is accurate, but I'm going to say anyway. I feel like (laughs) when you bourbon barrel age a really well made imperial stout bourbon, there's almost like a universal, that toasted from the oak kind of vanilla coconut thing, it like jumps out right away. Um, and I've I've had that experience from multiple uh, bourbon barrel aged stouts. And this one greets me again with something that a familiar surprise, if you will, didn't know exactly what to expect. Obviously, I had a good idea, but this thing is just like taking me to a lot of different places right now.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that completely. I mean, effectively, it's it's the same sort of flavoring that whiskey mm-hmm. uh True. goes through or bourbon goes through uh sitting in those barrels. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna get in Let's here and it. take a little taste of this yeah, guy. In there. Okay. Okay. Mm. The bitterness is there for me. Um, the 50 IBUs, I think of them differently in a stout than in a hop. I think of this more as like a little bit of bitter chocolate, Mm -hmm. but, uh, all the, all of the notes they imply the vanilla and the coconut are there subtly for me, Mm -hmm. but I can easily find like black coffee, dark chocolate, uh, Mm -hmm. those, those flavors, but it's nothing too aggressive. It just, it tastes like a really expensive chocolate bar, right?
1: Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Baker's chocolate, that kind of bitter sweet characteristic you find in like really intense dark chocolate. The vanilla is still there. Or the coconut's happening. It kind of reminded me of espresso right away, um, and it looks great too. I mean, the jet black, the, the tan head, like all those exciting things that you look for in a bourbon barrel aged stout. <clears throat> it's all happening. Um, yeah, man, yeah, you're right. It's, it's like very clean. You can tell it's just like, uh, and truthfully I'm excited to age this now more than, than I was a couple of minutes ago. Cause I think that I'm, the vanilla is going to do something. The, the coconut is going to go somewhere. The chocolate may show up more usually kind of a lot of those malty, sweeter characters tend to accentuate over time. So will that happen here? And to what degree will we get more caramel and toffee, or is it going to just be like, I don't know, like a milk chocolate? It's only time will tell, truly, but uh, but there's like a lot, you could see like a lot of things that could happen with this beer given some some time. Although, of course, it should be said this is already, it's a, it is a bourbon barrel-aged beer. It's already, the base beer has spent some time. It's already yeah. been in someone's cell. Exactly, yeah, yeah for a while. Um, but I'm pumped to see what we can do with it now and what, uh, what happens next, but I'm getting ahead of myself. This is just a great, just so well-made. Just it's, it's awesome. I'm pumped. I'm I'm also excited to have it kind of warm up as we talk about this and talk about And I'm sure we're going to keep revisiting this the next couple of minutes and it tastes like a new beer each time, which is always fun too. Absolutely, I,
0: I wish I had some dried fruits or something to kind of uh, mm. go back and forth with mm. on this beer. Um, mm. For some it's reason, doing doing the podcast <laughs> at home, I have even less food to, to <laughs> perhaps <laughs> pairing this with a room temperature SpaghettiO. Um, right, aged from yesterday. No, we'll, <laughs> we'll stick with beer. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree, the thing that immediately comes to mind is, is someone that has failed at cellaring as many beers as I've succeeded in. <laughs> um, I would, oh, okay, no, let's not go into cellaring yet. Let's talk about this beer if I have to reel myself in. So the nos we've we've kind of talked about, because I want to, I'm really excited to review this beer in a year from now. And if we're fortunate, even... <clears throat> buy a fresh one and drink, uh, you know, a 2021 or whatever uh, bourbon barrel age now narwhal next to this solid version. Um, We covered the nose, we covered the taste, the, can we add mouthfeel on here? Mm. If there's one thing I expect to change uh, in a year, uh, it's, it's kind, it's not carbonated like you would expect, you know, a big fresh pilsner to throw off these big CO2 bubbles, but it has I mean, the the mouthfeel on here, it gives me somewhat of a clean finish. There's a little bit of life in this beer mm-hmm. um, as I kind of like swirl it around trying to pick up some flavors. Sure. And I would expect that to dwindle comfortably uh, at, at, after a year. I'm, I'm hopeful. Yep. And if I think we could only fast
1: forward. Yeah. And John alluded to me doing an aggressive pour to kind of knock some, use the CO2 that's in there because you're going to lose a lot of that. You lose all of it barrel aging it, and you can obviously carbonate it when you're packaging this beer, which they for sure did. And I'm trying to figure out if they also can condition the this beer in particular, like they do almost all their their core range. Can't tell, but um, but yeah, kind of use that CO2 that is in there. It's definitely yeah lower carb than yeah big old pilsner that's kind of looks like champagne but jumping out of the glass um, with big bubbles. Uh, but use that CO2 to just, yeah, carry the aroma. So definitely give this thing a nice aggressive pour. Um, and it's in terms of what's going on with it on untapped. It, this, uh, so a couple of different, obviously, variants of it each year that it comes out. But we're seeing about 41,000 total check-ins, 36,000 uniques, more than 1,000 this month. Um, which is great too. I believe it comes out, and I could be wrong here, but around like the beginning of the year each year traditionally comes out. This one was canned in late December, um, which is pretty cool. So
0: already sitting. Okay, around so it's already it's, it's been sitting around a little bit. Not not to its not to its detriment at all. Um, there's there's one thing as we kind of look at Untapped Terrace and. There's the barrel-aged narwhal beer that you can check into, and then there's, you know, the 2019, 18, 16, 15 variants of those beers. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, For me, if I haven't checked into the base beer, the OG, the barrel-aged narwhal, without a year on it, that's always the first one i check into. Do you have a, a a particular set of rules you go by for stuff like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Or if it's like, if I, if I drink the beer the year it was released, so like I'm drinking barrel age, the 2020 version of barrel age narwhal, I'll just check into barrel age narwhal, knowing that my tech is going to have a date on it and, and all that stuff. I'll be able to see if I was to check into like the 2018 barrel age narwhal today. Then I would select that variant, knowing that that's going to be the only way for me to know, unless I noted in the check-in notes what year um, that beer is that I was released that I'm actually consuming. So if it's the same year it was released, regular check-in um, to kind of the the yeah, not a variant. But if I'm drinking something from the past, yep, definitely grabbing that year's specific beer and checking into that one. That's kind of my like loose. Set of rules there.
0: <laughs> I, I think that makes logical sense. I always try and like a, avoid checking into the, the quote-unquote wrong beer mm-hmm. um, on Untempted. In a situation like this, especially with ageable beers or, or beers that are released every year, you'll see that even on the label sometimes, the 2016 version. Mm-hmm. Um, so checking into or, or choosing which way you check in. There's no right or wrong, but uh, but hopefully it serves you well. Yeah. Uh, As you check into your beers and go back to reference them. So this will be a case where I want to leave a very kind of uh, real beer review on my check-in if I know I'm going to come back to it in a year and kind of compare those tasting notes. True. So talking about Sitting on one of these cans for a year, uh, sitting on is the term I use for, <laughs> for just waiting to drink a beer. Um, a couple of questions, Harrison, and just kind of looking around the Drinking Socially Facebook group or some questions that people have asked me over the years about cellaring your beers, especially if you're, if, if you're kind of new to craft beer, or new to the hobby. The, uh, some of the questions in no particular order. I just want to run by with you, Harrison. Yeah. What would be – so what would be – initially, this beer uh, is in a can this year. Mm-hmm. So um, I find that exciting. What's the big difference in cellaring something in a bottle versus a can?
1: Sure, yeah. So there's a really kind of a common misconception out there, although I, I feel like uh, maybe not so much anymore, where like when a beer becomes skunked, becomes – kind of goes bad when it becomes – it goes from being hot to cold to hot to cold, back and forth again and again, and that, that somehow ruins the beer. In reality, during the brewing process, you're constantly doing that in the cellar. It's You're dropping temperatures, you're raising them, you're dropping them again for various reasons. So temperature, while important, uh, is not nearly as scary or as is, is detrimental to a beer as light. Light is really the number one thing, and oxygen you want to keep out of the beer. Um, and we'll talk about oxygen, though. Uh, with an asterisk in a little bit, but um, but yeah. So can obviously it's like a keg; it's sealed off completely, so you're not going to have to worry at all about any kind of light getting in there and breaking down any of the flavors, the quality, any of that stuff. Which is yeah, it's great. I mean, that's that's awesome to have essentially a small keg you can put in your fridge and not have to. That's one thing you wanted to worry about. So I'm also excited that it's in a can this year. Um, I think that'll, I, I wish I could have both like a bottle and a can of the same year and do that whole comparison. No such luck, but definitely pro can in this and not worry about metallic off flavors, things like that. That's just not something um, you're really, you don't really need to need worry about. Oftentimes, if that's something you're concerned about, it comes from drinking it from the can and you're kind of like smelling the, can to shrink it and you're tricking yourself into thinking there's some kind of metallic taste in in the beer when it's just you also smell the can. Pour it into yep. a glass. Pour into a glass.
0: <laughs> um you mentioned so if light is one of the supervillains of beer aging, the can is a perfect is a perfect hero right. to that enemy. Yeah. Um you mentioned a couple other things. I'm gonna jump on to temperature next. Right. Is there is there like is there a perfect temperature? Is there a sweet spot, or is there a big difference if I age my beer in the closet versus in a fridge all year? Is there right. what's the big difference in that? Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's a great, um, that's a really good thing to talk about. And keep in mind, like you don't need to lose your mind about selling your beer. Is like John has him his beer is in a closet. I have mine in a cupboard in the dark, standing upright in a place that I know it doesn't get too hot or too cold. And I'm great with that now. And I'm not thinking about it or worried about it. Uh, Now, if you want to kind of take to that next level and talk about cellaring temperatures, usually around like 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit is like that, that sweet spot, something cool, not cold. You don't really want to keep your beer. If you're cellaring it in a refrigerator, refrigerators are designed to keep food dry and, um, and keep moisture out. And if you have something like a, a beer that's corked and caged, uh, you may run into drying out the outside of, of that cork. The inside of it that's actually touching or facing the beer has its own humidity, so it won't really be impacted too much by that, but you could still run into issues if that cork is you know, not great or it's an older beer, um, things like that. So don't want to keep it cold, and then hot, yes. Things, warmer it gets, the faster the aging process is kind of gonna take it, take it, take into effect, come into effect. So you don't want it to be warm either. If you can, but again, basements are great. Attics, not so much. <laughs> basically <Basement laughs> better. Um, cupboard, yeah. Some are dark. Some are that keeps constant temperature. Um, I, I was we really kind of it's it's funny it makes sense that home brewing rules like when you're starting out and you don't have tons of equipment, they usually tell you, like, find a closet in the inside of your house, the one that's, like, not touching an outside wall to put your beer into, uh, knowing that you you could see more fluctuation in temperature if you're up against an exterior wall during the summer or the spring when it's, you know, cold in the night and warm in the day. That's stuff you want to kind of avoid. Um, But yeah, I think like I had mine forever in the top of an attic or a top of a cupboard. Rather, I had one in the the basement for a while and now I'm behind a couch. So um, yeah, 50, 55, you can, but really just try to keep it constant and don't let it get too warm.
0: That's really, I think that's really cool advice. It, it makes it possible for anybody to try this hobby don't get, don't let it get too warm, or it'll go too fast. Don't let it get too cold, or it'll go too slow. Mm-hmm. And mainly, try and avoid that fluctuation. Try yep. and keep it in a in a medium balanced spot, just like a good beer. Exactly. Um, to, so, a couple other on the high levels, you mentioned oxygen, and I think mm-hmm. this is kind of th- this may be uh, out of some of our hands. Um, but if I had to ask you a question pointed at oxygen. In in beer storage, like cans, regular cap bottles, cork and cage bottles, is there is there a way to mitigate the damage that oxygen will do to my beer as I'm as I'm cellaring? Sure.
1: It? And so to be clear, the kind of this is like a Trojan horse scenario. A lot of the times, the oxygen people think like maybe I'll have a bad cork or the cap won't be sealed well, and that's how the oxygen gets in. The oxygen's already in there. every beer you drink has what's called dissolved oxygen in it, which we refer to as just do uh, in the industry and um, you want to keep that as a brewery like below 500 parts per million, 300, 200. Um, so keep that low. keep that low as possible um, because as your that beer ages or if it gets too warm, that oxygen will leave the liquid and sit on top of the beer, inside the bottle still, and start to impart some of those kind of cardboard-like off flavors oxygen can impart on a beer. Now, something we haven't mentioned yet, um, which plays into uh, effect here, is that really when you're cellaring beer, is a nice kind of ballpark to uh, on AB, the ABV side to look at is things that are above 7%. And when you talk about beers like Imperial Souths or that are like 12% or 10% or higher, a lot of the, that can protect you, protect the flavors from some of the off flavors and oxygen parts, which is mostly wet cardboard is what you get there. Um, if you're lower than that though, it'll probably be more pronounced. So it seems to be easier to have a lower dissolved oxygen number in cans as well. Um, at least we found that in canning, it was just easier. It just was easier. Um, so that's also the reason why I'm excited about this. It really is a a great vessel the can itself, but yeah, oxygen, it's probably, it's in the it's in the beer already. It always is. Um, and you want to kind of keep that in the, the beer as as long as possible. Being cool will help that help it stay in the liquid. That's phenomenal. And if
0: you're (laughs) listening to this to learn, even if you're me, you're going to go back and replay Harrison's answer like three times just to (laughs) capture all that info, but Most of the oxygen that we battle when we're cellaring beer already exists in the beer, so um, ABV is a good is a good, and and that was something I'm glad you brought up. Mm -hmm. Um, Higher, greater than seven percent is a safer thing to age than less than seven percent. Mostly, here's the last question I want to ask you on cellaring, Harrison. Twenty five percent of every beer is yeast. Is there a big difference in me selling a stout like this narwhal versus uh, a wild ale or something with brett? uh, Is there a difference in the way that yeast is going to change the beer? I I would assume yes, but... Can you help me understand what the difference in aging a, a, a sour versus a
1: stout is going to do for me? Sure. And sours in particular, and Brettanomyces in particular, it, it's always kind of this number of 18 months is always thrown around when you're talking about Brett beer. It's like that seems to be a sweet spot 18 months after it's been bottled, uh, as long as there's still some yeah, actual um, yeast in that bottle seems to be doing something a little magical there. And that's not hard and fast and each beer is different, but I've heard that again and again. Um, don't really know why. I guess it's just kind of long enough, not too long. That, that just seems to, to work out for that, that yeast where it's not turning it to apple cider vinegary or horsey or whatever. Um, while those are tough, spontaneously fermented, things are are tough to predict once they're in the bottle because that yeast really will react way more to temperature changes and to light than if there wasn't any yeast in there still Uh, but that also makes them really exciting and those are my favorite kind of beers to to age are the ones that are that still have yeast in them because it will change over time and that was we've spoken about before but that was one of my favorite parts of using beer advocate is that you could get on there and type in the beer you had and there'd be a thinking about drinking it and there'd be a forum in there. People saying like, yeah, I have it guys. It's great right now. Now's the time to drink it. If you have, you know, Rodenbox grand crew from 2007, open it up. It's, it's going to knock your socks off. And so you could find that and be like, Oh, I do have one of those and jump on it and and enjoy it. So when there's yeast in the beer, it's going to change more or it could change more than if there isn't. Um, That being said, like, Again, that's not the only factor here. I mean, when you're talking about aging and cellaring beers, a lot of things are going to change, you know, overall bitterness and the kind of, um, it's going to decrease. Well, same with like fruity or floral esters. If that's something you're, you know, if you have a Belgian beer, that's expected. Those things will start to go down. Spices seem to start to increase to a point and then also plateau, oxidization so that kind of wet paper and cardboard that can go up the bready sweetie malty things can go up too it's like think toffee or honey or uh, things like that um even like earthy flavors which may come out of here too same with wood the wood stuff seems to um increase uh, over time as well so there's a lot of stuff that goes up and down with beers that don't have yeast in them too just based on time and, and how that uh, the flavors and are interacting with each other and and which ones are kind of coming to the forefront and which ones are, are starting to back off. So it's always fun. You never know. Uh, but Beer advocate was a great resource where you could, at any moment, type in the beer you had if you were thinking about pulling it out and see recently who had had it and if it was ready yet or or not. That's
0: actually one thing that happens to me often on Untapped as well. Uh, less of a paragraph or so in the beer review, but it always amazes me when I check in a five-year-old beer on untapped and someone checked it in a day ago or 20 (laughs) minutes ago. Um, Those of those of you that have listened through uh, the cellaring guide from Harrison uh, re listen to it, but a recap would be 7% or more ABV keep it in a moderate temperature. Cans are better than bottles because lights is the bad guy And everything else is science uh, with a little bit of magic and darkness. So the (laughs) ultimate the, uh, the ultimate advice, I think the best advice I could ever get or give for cellaring is buy two, drink one today, save one for next year so you have something to compare it with. Right. And send Harrison a Facebook message and tell him that (laughs) we want to do uh, an episode on off flavors as well. Mm, Cause I think we got close there, but that, that would be, that would be beneficial. And speaking of sending Harrison a message on Facebook, let's cut in for a quick social media update uh, while we're all here together. There's been a couple of cool things that have been happening in the drinking socially group on Facebook We've gotten a lot of new members. Some of it's because of the badge. Some of it's because of all the Untapped live events. But the group is one of my favorite places to exist on Facebook. And just some highlights. Uh, first off, yeah. big shout out to Alexander Gates. He actually made an Untapped quiz and shared it with the Facebook group, and then I shared it with Untapped. It's it's a quiz on historical Untapped badges, and it is remarkably difficult. So I'm not going to share my results. I'm not going to ask Harrison <laughs> to share his, but Alexander put together a great quiz on there. A couple other posts, uh, more recently, Michael McKenna on Facebook. He didn't know we were recording this episode, but right. he just recently shared a picture of an 11-year-old dogfish head, 120 minutes. That's, that's nice. probably the beer, the introduced cellaring to me or something with a real high ABV. Yeah. He remarked that it did have some brown sediment in there and wishes he would have got to it maybe three or four years earlier. But that's the nature, I think, of cellaring. Yep. Uh, Mike, thanks for sharing the picture with us. You get about 50 or so likes on there, a couple of people asking questions. You don't know what's going to happen, but it's a way for you to change a beer doing literally nothing. <laughs> <That's right>. uh, <laughs> Another post that caught my eye, uh, Andrea Moore. This is hopefully something no one can relate to, but she yes. uh, she shared a post. Beautiful uh, pour of Bourbon County uh, from Goose Island. She said after almost a year of remodeling her house, she finally listed it for sale, wow. um, ready to get out of there and, and finish being in a remodel. But what a celebratory drinking uh, Bourbon County beer. Yes. Um, Awesome. that's there's nothing wrong with that that beer is always kind of impressive yep. and then the final update from the facebook group comes from ryan anderson who uh kind of poised a question to the group and this is where i want to ask harrison as well uh his question verbatim do you guys post a picture of the beer that you're drinking to prove that you really checked that one in uh if 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 so, I have more pictures of beer than I do on my Instagram. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I I agree. I think I always take a picture of the beer for my check-in. On Instagram, I barely exist. Uh, (laughs) I share some photos. I mainly uh, am on Instagram to see what other people are doing or what's cool now. Uh, Gosh, (laughs) aside aside from my 37 years in learning Instagram more and more every day, Uh, untap's a great excuse for me to take a picture. They're never good, but I do, I subscribe to that. I take a picture of my check-ins if anything, so that I know maybe someone might call me out on it, but mainly so that I know where I was when I drank that beer. And did I actually tag the right one? Uh, Harrison, do you, do you do this? Do you find yourself falling victim to that as well? Or do you take pictures for a different reason?
1: I mostly take pictures of my dogs which is because they're always doing something silly like sleeping or whatever. I don't know. They're always there next (laughs) to me. Um, I try, I mean, I try to, especially, yeah, the can arts gotten me excited or it's a beer. I'm really excited about. I actually, I I probably go through like waves of it where even waves within a night where if I'm having three or four beers, the first two may get pictures of the can and the, the pour, the next two beers might be dog pictures. And then we'll move along. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe a different reason for that, but either. <laughs> that's right. I'll put a silly hat on them and then as the night yep. goes on, it's takes on, it's a whole new, you know, experience in and of itself. But, um, so I don't have like a, uh, something I always do. I, 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 I'm mindful of it and I like taking pictures of something as opposed to not taking a picture. I do find myself thinking like, oh, I wish. I didn't drink that beer that fast, so I had something to take a picture of, or I wish I had, you know, something noteworthy to that I was near to share this moment with. Because I think that does help. It's fun, you know, obviously pictures are powerful. Even if it's just a dog sleeping in a chair, you can look back years later and go, Oh, that's right. We had that horrible picture on that wall. Why did we have that? Who bought that? My goodness. <laughs> and then you kind of, you know, are some some laughs are rekindled. So um I try to always take a photo. It's sometimes of the beer but mostly other dogs. I totally
0: agree. I think untapped (laughs) is very forgiving on the pictures you take. Uh, David met comments on Ryan's original post and says, you have to make sure your pictures on Instagram are really pretty. It doesn't matter on untapped, just take a picture. And I, I, I agree. And I love that about untapped. Sometimes I'm checking in and I've already drank the whole beer. So there's not much to take a photo of. Sometimes it's, you know, if, if I was drinking three narwhals tonight i don't know what kind of crazy contest i would be in (laughs) but on my second check-in i probably wouldn't even take a picture i would just check it in to remember what the heck i was doing
1: yep
0: um but that's the facebook group is is an amazing resource there's a lot of people obviously you know we brag about our badges and our check-ins and our beers but it's 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 become so much of a bigger group in the year 2020 and I'm, I love that the community is, is it's, it's just it's a very positive place to hang out and talk about beer and learn about beer and share some of the things that, that's going well for you and beer in your city. It's, it's, it's a positive group. And I love that about the, the many members that have grown up in there. Yeah. Um, and kind of on the tune of social media, let's cover something a little bit more broad spectrum. Harrison, what do we have coming up in terms of untapped for social media and the company as a whole? Yeah.
1: So if you've been following along, and I hope you have, um, with untapped social media, you've seen the phrase or the image or heard talk about untapped TV. And it's really something John and I are a part of, really focused on, as well as, you know, Greg, the co co-founder of Untapped and the team here to just get the just take, you know, take some time to talk to some of these industry leaders and Cool, interesting people that kind of cross paths with untapped and beer and have them share their stories. We've been doing that right now twice a week with virtual happy hours every Thursday um, at 7 Eastern time and then sessionable Saturdays at 2.30 Eastern every Saturday where we have different guests each week. And uh, Jess had Garrett Oliver on uh, from Brooklyn Brewery, and actually he helped to produce the beer John's going to have in a couple of minutes in part two of the episode. Greg Cook from Stone is coming up on May 9th, which will be a blast, obviously a trailblazer and someone who has, you know, tons of great stories. So that'll be, that's what I'm I'm looking forward to. And then tomorrow, um, May 7th, if you listen to this, the day this that came out, M. Sauter, uh, who created pintsandpanels.com, which is a really cool site where she talks about beers and has kind of beer education comics that she illustrates and illustrates some of the reviews of the beer she's had. Uh it's a blast to to take a look at if you haven't pintsandpanels.com, check it out. She'll be on with Untapped's own Rob Brink. And Rob is the man behind so many of the kind of great things you think about when you think about Untapped, a lot of the images, design of the app itself. He made the drinking Socially badge. He made a lot of my favorite badges. So uh Rob's awesome and has a pretty cool story too. So he's gonna be on tomorrow, May 7th. Um, kind of just giving us the uh uh, the download on all the cool stuff we're working on and uh, and untapped here on the design side of things. And you know, you don't need to keep tuning to to this section of the podcast to hear about untapped TV. You can just go there whenever you want. I mean there's there's uh, new segments all the time, untapped TV. that's uh, all you need to remember. it has and you can watch it live there. It'll be live in the app across a bunch of our social media. It's really kind of amazing what we're doing. I think it's it's pretty cool from someone who is behind the scenes just seeing you know, where, where we go next and and what we're doing and the conversations we're able to have. I couldn't agree
0: more. It's been amazing to see, you know, for so long kind of working in the industry and see Sam Caligioni on untapped.tv talking to Greg about projects that Dogfish has doing and Greg Cook coming up uh, this weekend. So it's been really cool. Uh, Big shout out, secondary shout out to Rob Brink. Mm -hmm. The Drink It Socially badge is a beautiful. Thanks for all the awesome work you do making untapped, a more pretty place to look at. Um, even though my, my check-in photos will never live up to your standards. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, but stay tuned. When we come back, we've got Jen from Tales from the Cask. Um, Jen's got a huge amount of information about the beer, the brewing industry, what happens kind of behind the scenes. And she's going to pull a beer out of her cellar and we're all going to drink some some beers that we've all been sitting on for the last couple of years. So, uh, stay tuned for part two of the episode, and uh, look forward to catching up with you in just a second. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, more. Depending on how hot or cold you are, go to store.untap.com and enter the coupon code podcast when you check out. That'll get 20% off anything you order. That's store.untap.com. Use the coupon code podcast, 20% off for you. Plus it lets them know that you guys are listening and we love that here. All right, we're back for part two of Drinking Socially and I'm excited to introduce Jen Balick to the show. She's a longtime co-host on Tales from the Cask, which is another podcast you can find. We'll put the links to it in the show notes or just go to talesfromthecask.com. When she wasn't busy with that, she was also the beer... Uh, kind of brand and marketing manager for distributor here in North Carolina. So Jen, welcome to the show. We're going to ask you a couple of questions, but I'm really excited to also drink a beer with you.
2: Absolutely. Um, Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here.
0: So a couple of questions that Harrison and I had that we'd love for you just to kind of share with the listeners. Um, When you begin, so Tales from the Cask, awesome show. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. When you kind of set to set out to produce or build that show, what was kind of your initial goal to help teach people about beer or, or what, what was the goal of it?
2: Sure. So my uh, you know is actually I was not I knew what podcasts were, but I was not a huge podcast listener. We started the show back in uh, 2013. and actually two of my co-workers, our CEO had the idea that maybe we could do, you know, reach some of our customers or just beer enthusiasts in a different way. Um, And we started listening to a bunch of podcasts and kind of seeing what different, you know, angles people were taking on craft beer. And we felt there was a need maybe for something that was just very approachable, educational. Um, You know, yes, we drank a lot of cool and different beers, but we also tried to try some of like more mainstream stuff just so it was very inclusive. Um, our, our first episode, we were, we were trying to, uh, originally plan things around one hop each episode, which lasted exactly one episode. That's, I, um, love, I love it.
0: I love the idea. So,
2: yeah. Our first episode was actually EKGs. So we did East Kent Golden mm-hmm. Hops and it was, you know, we really thought we, we did a lot of research into it. Um, during the first season, I guess if you will, of the show, both uh, my coworker and I were studying for the certified cicerone exam, so it was a good kind of review and helped us, you know, study because we're going through all these different styles of beer, talking about the attributes and and whatnot. Um, so we kind of pivoted from that; it got a little more, I guess, informal. And once kind of all of our personalities started to. Uh, to mesh and we came up with all kinds of different off the wall ideas of uh, of episodes. And, you know, it, it kind of just became what it was. We, we really enjoyed doing some industry news stuff too, which um, I think was helpful for some of the listeners if they are into beer, but maybe aren't reading the, the industry blogs as you know, you guys are probably probably doing. Um, and we were, I think just keeping it lighthearted and, and people seem to like it.
0: That's I I love that you kind of took us from inception to evolution, um, in one explanation. And I think, uh, Harrison, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, it's really easy to fall in love with an idea, like an episode about hops. It's really difficult to keep up with it uh, mm-hmm. as we learned so many times over again, but, nothing will make you learn more than doing a podcast about something. I couldn't agree more. We're always trying to stay up on the next thing. Um, You did kind of reference early on when you were creating the show, some coworkers. And can you kind of tell us then this is when you were working at at a distributor as well, or I guess technically a a beer or alcohol distributor?
2: Yes. So I worked for a distributor, a pretty large distributor in uh, central North Carolina. We did cover the whole state, but our, our core market was the uh, the triangle area, which for listeners that are not from NC, that's kind of the uh, we're all the the colleges with the basketball. <laughs> um, Accurate,
0: yeah. uh, the, the
2: Tar Heels and uh, and NC State and Duke all in that area. So um, we cover this area or that area, and I worked there for almost fifteen years, um, and. Had several different roles there, but uh, my last role was the brand marketing director. So worked primarily with all the suppliers, uh, all the breweries. I was their main point of contact. Uh, I dealt with a lot of the ordering and uh, sales reporting. Anything that a brewery needed to know what was going on, um, I was typically the, the person that they would reach out to.
0: That sounds way more... Uh, detailed or involved, then I would have initially. You're not just sitting around drinking beer all day. <laughs> no,
2: that's a common uh, <laughs> a common uh, misconception. But yes, we did we did get to drink a lot of beer. I will say, um, the more that craft beer grew in this area, uh, the more the podcast was important to me and to my our co my co hosts because we had a year I want to say a couple years ago where we realized, looking back on it. We had brought in eight hundred different keg SKUs or wow. um, items. So there's no way you can try eight hundred different new beers <laughs> that come into your building, and you're supposed to be selling them. So having the podcast was a great outlet to you know have that excuse to hey, let's sit down and try three beers and talk about them. And now we are able to you know. Oh, yeah, I did. I did get to try that release from whomever. And we didn't, uh, we didn't limit ourselves to just our beers. We definitely tried the gamut, um, you know, local, national, international. Uh, It was not just the beers that we were selling.
0: That's, I, I love that story. Um, and I can, I can echo the difficulty of trying 800 beers per year, <laughs> although there's, I know there's some untapped users listening that are, that are like, nope, I could do that in a half a year, right. um, especially <laughs> those of you in Moscow. Right. Um, but I think, I think that's important. And I appreciate that it wasn't just the beers you distributed uh, without getting too granular, because we've got some awesome beers to pull out of our uh, respective sellers. But uh, one final question, Jen, before we dive in, you'd mentioned drinking some of your beers and some of the beers that weren't yours. And from a distributor' standpoint, uh, like can you explain really quickly, especially for those uh, for those listeners that are overseas, kind of how that works or or how you guys get uh, a breed to work
2: with you? Sure, absolutely. So it um, beer laws in the U.S. are uh, very complicated, so I won't get mm-hmm. too involved with that. But uh, essentially, we're on the three-tier system, which happened after Prohibition. So that means uh, breweries have to sell to a wholesaler who then sells to the retailer. Um, overseas, there are still um, tied houses where... You know, you go to a bar, there have been plenty of them, and they have one brewery's beer, which is awesome. Um, That is not necessarily allowed in the system we have in place. Um, There are state-by-state rules on self-distribution where a brewery can, up to a certain amount, uh, sell beer directly to bars and restaurants. But uh, for us, what would happen is if a brewery wanted to come into the state we would set up a contract with them. And then at that point, you have county by county rights to sell that product. So, uh, for the distributor I worked with, some products we would have distribution rights for just the nine counties in central North Carolina. Some products, like um, the beer that actually I'm going to open in a few minutes, we had the entire state. So, we were able to sell across the state. Um, other distributors would. Uh, fit in those other counties. So if that makes sense, um, essentially you have the rights to a certain brand. So if you're in a county where you have those rights, every single place that you see that beer for sale, whether it's a restaurant, a convenience store, a bar, Target, anywhere, <laughs> um, you're gonna that is coming from that distributor.
0: Holy cow. Okay, so the back uh, the back office of beer just got a lot more spreadsheety. y um, or I'm thinking of like the mailroom with ropes connecting everything.
2: <laughs> um,
0: but thank you, Jen, for giving that description. I think it's, uh, if anything, it's important just to kind of know... Uh, when we're fortunate enough to be checking in and drinking all these beers, kind of the story, not just about how they got created, but how they found their way to your bar, bottle shop, town, gas station, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take a break from talking and uh, take the interrogation light off of Jen. We've got three <laughs> old and amazing beers on the docket. Uh, Harrison, will you take us through kind of how we... how 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 we decided on these, or where they came from,
1: or just get to the point where we can open some of these. Right. I think we should. Sure, I'll do that quickly. But yeah, then we should pop yeah. them open and kind of go around and say which what we all have, and then start drinking them. But yeah, just as we kind of talked about earlier in the the, in the podcast, John and I, and and now Jen as well, we pulled some stuff out of our cellars. Kind of, it was you know, podcaster's choice. Beyond that, there wasn't much rhyme or reason to it. We kind of picked something we all wanted an excuse to drink and grabbed it today. Uh, some of us may have some stories behind it. Um, but really, you know, I'm just kind of excited to see what happens next. You know, we kind of talked about earlier, it's, you know, at this point, you know, you don't know, know, this beer has been around the one that I have for about six years. You don't know if it's good, bad, great, weird, different until you open it. So this is kind of this Christmas morning feeling of what's about to happen next. So, um, I want to, I want to get to it, but let's, so let's start, I guess, yeah, and, and go ahead and start with Jen. You can tell us what you have and go to John and we'll, yeah, start cracking these things open. That's what I was looking
0: for, Harrison. Thanks for assigning order. Um, <laughs> Jen, you might have the most exciting beer, but I'm yeah. excited to hear about it instead of just read about it.
2: All right. Well, um, yeah, first of all, uh, talking about cellaring, I know you guys dove into it pretty uh, pretty hard the first part of the episode, but... My cellar uh, is kind of not organized at all, but um, you know, I've been lucky enough, I guess, that I've had a lot of relationships with breweries over the years, so I have acquired a decent amount of stuff. And uh, you know, I I flipped through a few things and was debating, you know, do I keep it local? Do I go like really crazy and and off the wall? And and I thought the one that I landed on um, would be. Fairly well known, but still kind of a, a fun one. Um, so I went with the AleSmith Barrel Aged We Heavy, and this is from mm. 2014. Um, AleSmith, San Diego Brewery. They're very, very, very well known for their barrel aged beers. Uh, Speedway Stout is probably incredible. I would imagine yep. the most checked in from that brewery on and tapped. Um and the barrel aged versions. They do a lot of different. Uh, Different variants, which are very highly anticipated, but we are going to do the uh, the wee heavy today, which We heavy, um, also known as a Scotch ale, kind of the highest on the ranking of the. Uh, you know, you've got your your sixty shilling, your seventy shilling, and then your your export and your your heavier Scottish beers are the ones we know in the U.S. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. this actually falls into the one twenty shilling. I believe. Yep. So the highest version of the, uh, the Spanish And I did, uh, want to mention this one is not corking caged. They have, um, mm. this really oh, yeah. nice thick, uh, like, uh, aluminum foil basically on the top. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to the owner of the brewery, uh, uh, Peter Zion, and he said people would try and switch out the day when they all had to go around cause they all hand crimped them all just with their hands and I guess you do that a bunch of times. Right. It's not very fun. Yeah.
1: Don't
0: want that to be your day. No way. And sometimes it's a lot easier than peeling the wax off of a wax sealed. Right. Or yeah. Waxing I day.
2: Did, um, I did dive into, or I did open the, the foil because I couldn't remember if this is one of the sneaky ones where it has the pop top, but then also yep. the cork. So yep. uh,
0: smart. Yeah.
2: Making sure I wasn't going to need a wine key which probably would have resulted in me just opening it before we got started.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also smart. I won't lie and say that Harrison and I've had to do that a few times. Mm -hmm. Um, That pours out nice though.
2: Yeah, it really, um, it's still got a pretty nice head to it. It's um, a nice kind of caramel colored head. Ooh, it's, it definitely has that, you know, plum kind of raisin stone fruit smell to it. Oh man. It's um, I don't know. No oxidation that I can detect. So obviously that's uh, one of the main culprits of cellaring is oxidation or um, that papery kind of smell, but this is, I don't know, it's tasting pretty rich. It's definitely got that, um, this beer, I've had uh, a couple iterations of it. And one of them was a port barrel aged version. And to me, this has kind of a, a port character to it already so i can imagine the port you know it goes extremely well with it this is this is a bourbon barrel age um but yeah i ale smith is great at doing the kind of sneaky you know this is a 10 percent beer i could probably just sit here and drink it with no problems um (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't have a it's it's definitely mellowed out it doesn't have a lot of the booziness which is I would say a benefit of, uh, cellaring a high APV beer, not having that really, you know, heavy alcohol flavor. So I'm, I'm calling this a winner.
0: Cool. That's great. And it's six years old. Uh, I think anytime you open a beer that old and it's not bad, uh, that, that's for me, that's my standard of what, what are winners. Right. Sure.
1: Yeah. That's an easy, that's an easy one. Yeah, (laughs) still good beer. Still good. All right. John, what are, you, what are you working with? What do you got? And I'm excited about this one too. Yeah, so this one
0: is a, a favorite of mine from Brooklyn Brewery. Uh, we just had Garrett on the sessionable Saturdays with Greg uh, this last Saturday. Um, so it made me think of this beer that I've been saving for a little while. And honestly, in, in this particular beer's case, I've been saving it just because it's in such a big bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was cellared by mandate more than anything else. It's 11 and percent. Brooklyn's black ops it has been released year over year for at least 10 years, if not more. Uh, I like that they'll actually put the bottled on date right on the label. Uh, my dogs, however, dislike the fact that it's a cork and cage. Uh, yeah. so we'll, we'll hear how, we'll hear how live this one is here in a second. Yep. Yep. Great. Uh, That's beautiful for this one's a 2017 I should have introduced. Uh, So three years in the bottle, three years on my bookcase. This is such a beautiful bottle. I left it out to, it got a little bit of lights. I know Harrison talked about that as a bad guy, (laughs) but we'll see how, how poorly I've done with this one, but it's pouring out better than I expected. This is a bottle re-fermented beer. Mm-hmm. It usually makes me feel a little bit more comfortable sitting on it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, boy. Ooh, the nose is more licoricey than I remember it being when mm. I have drank this fresh before, but maybe that's a nice addition.
2: Yeah, get in there. Oh, this is so good. Nope. <laughs> There's
0: absolutely nothing wrong with this beer. If you can get it and drink it fresh, it's delicious. If you can get it and save it for three years, it turns a little bit more. This is incorrect, but a little bit more pudding-like. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. In the, right. it's it's just kind of, it's bottled at seventy IBU, uh, which I know we covered in our Russian Imperial uh, on how sometimes a stout can be bitter different than an IPA. But three years later, most of that bitterness is just gone, and it went from kind of like a baking chocolate into more of a Hershey's chocolate pardon me for the reference but this is absolutely stunning um i'm excited to keep drinking along with the three of you and also excited to see
1: what do you got over there harrison yeah so i'm gonna jump right into mine as well so i chose something from 2014 as well a big bad baptist from epic brewing out uh of utah and they do some really cool stuff with how they um how they um catalog their beers this is technically a release number 33 and that's labeled on the side of the bottle and it says visit epicbrewing.com for more info so i did and they have a really uh, detailed system they don't release this beer uh, yearly so all it is a 2014 release it's not the only beer uh, the only only Big Bad Baptist they released that year. Um, so they do it just by release number. And when you click on the release number on the website, it tells you all about that specific beer, when it was brewed. They have a couple different brewery sites, so which brewery actually brewed it, what's in this version, because Big Bad Baptist is a little bit different each time they make it to kind of highlight the hops they used, especially stuff. They have some Novo coffee and cacao nibs in here as well. Uh, which is, is really neat, but I thought it was a really great way to do it where you instead of wondering about what is in this beer and what makes it different. You can just go right to the website, and it's all cataloged out. So that was exciting for me and really kind of shows you they are very well aware of people selling their beers and they have a little system in place for it where you could put it in a, your closet and forget about it and <clears throat> everything about it and then log online and, and refresh yourself when you actually want to drink it. So I'm going to pop the top. Ooh, Yes. And there's some CO2 in there as well. So that's that's always the first thing I look for and hope for. Ooh, wow. And it definitely, there's a bunch of bourbon kind of jumping, caramelly notes jumping right out at me. Let me get this little vigorous in the pour, get some free the, free the aromas. Ooh,
2: hmm. I like how everyone's drinking out of kind of a normal size glass too.
1: Yeah, that was kind of a conscious decision. I wanted it to just like, I didn't want to, Tramp anything I want to get the aroma Kind of cruising right away At least to start Wow So like A lot of coffee A lot of co- like Like espresso Ooh that is Fantastic But it doesn't have that bitterness It's just like the coffee up front um, And then like the wood Is coming a little bit more This is yeah, bourbon barrel aged um, That oak Those oak kind of It's less vanilla It's more of Well I guess it's yeah It's I mean, like vanilla espresso happening right now I'm excited for this to kind of sit for a couple of minutes too. Of course, it's been hanging out in that bottle for a long, long time. So, uh, I want to get, get it out into the world and let it, let it do its little dance.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Though. What it is. Definitely de-
2: just having opened mine a couple minutes ago. Now it's a little bit warmer in the glass and a little more opened up. I'm getting more nuttiness. and warmer.
1: Right. That's, oh, that's, that's wild. That's so funny. That's what I was just thinking too, is that I just had, I'm uh, i'm a big mixed nut guy that's kind of my go-to snack and this is reminding me of of the handful of uh of like cashews and pecans and stuff i had not too long ago or it is that like right there's something about that kind of yeah yeah it's a nutty even though we're totally different beers um i'm getting the same notes right here that's a great wow. and that, yeah, that head is just like a velvety this is amazing and I'm just watching Harrison sway this beer back and mm-hmm. forth.
0: Um, oh, yeah.
2: I yeah. It's really nice head retention. Mine's kind of... Uh, I,
0: know. It get
2: there. Get, I, I can swirl that. Mm-hmm.
0: So with you guys, your beers are twice as old as mine. Um, I'm super impressed, especially hearing uh, Harrison pop the cap on his, how much yeah. uh, mm-hmm. CO2 was left in there. Oh, that's great. And uh, drinking them, I want I want to drink them. So so I'm already
1: sad that I'm not <laughs> there tasting them with you.
2: I know. This would have been a perfect episode to not be uh I know right distancing. Cool Yeah, that would have
1: yep. been amazing. We yep. would have to have some cheese and some smoked meats and some other things to help us kind of cut through the uh the the density of these beers. But that would have been even more fun. The the one drawback
0: to a cellared bottle share is I think everything's always like greater than nine or 10%. Right. Uh, it gets like, massive fast. And it's usually stouts as well. So <laughs> like there's not much relief coming. Right. Um, I noticed the the three of us effectively brought a stout to the party tonight. Is there, for you, Harrison, and you, Jen, is there a reason uh, you think people generally try and, and put a stout on the shelf as opposed to many other
1: styles? For the seller? Yep. Yeah. So for me, um, it really, I mean, we kind of talked about this earlier, but the Imperial Stouts lend themselves to that, you know, being higher in ABV that's step Number one is you want, um, something that's going to be more a little higher in alcohol. And also as he spoke about on the Russian Imperial Stout episode, like the reason a lot of these Imperial Stouts are so hopped is, you know, that's true to the style hops are a preservative. Um, they make beer last longer, but it can be kind of harsh and intense if you're drinking a 70 or 100 IBU stout fresh to let that kind of the bitterness die off and let the other kind of floral or earthy characteristics of those hops still hang around uh, with time. I think it, I think it benefits the stout itself. Um, so those are kind of my two highlights for why stouts like age well. they also, they're complex and they do of those flavors, like especially if it's barrel age where the wood should start to be a little more pronounced over time. Some of like the, the heat from the booze, as, as Jen said, that's going to go away and it's going to allow other flavors to, to kind of come to the forefront. But as you've kind of said a couple of times tonight, it's nice to have a comparison beer, to have you know a newer one, an older one, to do verticals. I mean, that's where things get really exciting when you have a beer from this year and last year and two years ago. Uh, to see what that that same beer does, what time does to it. That's always a great learning experience, and I'm sure we'll we'll do one eventually. But um, stouts overall, I mean, I think they just lend themselves to age because they're going to change a lot. Uh, what about you, Jen?
2: Yeah, I was going to say that that would be the number one thing would be to you know try something fresh or as soon as it's released, and then see how it changes over time. And as you mentioned, the the stouts and you know the the darker, heavier beers tend to pick up more of that barrel characteristic or they might change. Maybe they were very vanilla forward and some of that has died off and maybe you're getting that nuttiness or that um, more raisiny characteristic Mm -hmm. a little bit later as they've been, as they've been sitting. Uh, What I've noticed that's been pretty cool in the market recently is some breweries are releasing something that they would typically have done in the 750 or 22 ounce format in a four pack. Mm. And at that point, you know you've got your four your four beers and they're still the same fantastic beers but you're able to try you know one or two now and then or try one now and then try one next year and one the year after that one year after that that also um you know to john's point that kind of diminishes the uh the cellaring for only the reason that you don't have anybody to drink it with because at that point you can open that 12 ounce beer so i know uh there's been a couple of breweries that have switched to that uh, format. And I think that's been really well received.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think any of the breweries that are, that are, that are making me a 12% stout, but also allowing me to drink it alone. Uh, they're, they're my, they're my heroes right now. And your four pack uh, idea, Jen, uh, is brilliant. Buy a four pack of Harrison. And I just drank barrel aged narwhal and it came in a four pack. So it kind of, sets you up to start cellaring if you want to jump down that road. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something you alluded to earlier, Jen, you were talking about when you were a distributor and Alesmith was coming to North Carolina, you had a kind of a story you were going to hint at there. You nailed it. Speedway Stout is their most checked in beer on Untappd. But if you haven't tried the We Heavy, uh, hopefully this spurs you to check it out. But I'm, I'm really excited to hear the story you had, Jen.
2: Yeah, so we, um, when I was a distributor, we actually launched Alesmith uh, in 2014, um, so shortly after this was uh, released, and my uh, our VP of sales is a huge Imperial Stout guy, so if uh, he was just having a beer, he would have like every beer that we're having tonight just as his making dinner and you know, oh. he didn't get beer. wow he just he just loves that's his style of beer which is yeah. which is great it's uh expensive habit but right. um, so <laughs> of course we're talking to ale smith and you know we're talking about what what beers we're going to bring in for the launch and he's like well you got to send the barrel age speedway stout bottles mm. and they were like well we don't send those out you know they don't right. leave the state they don't Maybe they go to a festival, you know, once a year or whatever. And he managed to convince them to uh to send us just a few cases of uh this beer, the We Heavy, and then also the Barrel Age Speedway Stout, which uh was a very hot ticket item, obviously, um, once we got launched and and up and running with Ailsmith who makes fantastic IPAs Mm -hmm. and you know, they're in San Diego. So of course they have got that whole vibe going, um, as well, but it was really cool that, that they were generous enough to let us grab a couple cases. And we actually, we sold, um, a few of them right off, you know, right out the gate with the launch. And then we actually held on to a couple of them and sold Mm -hmm. them maybe a year or so later. So that is how I came across or came to have this bottle. Um, probably another just notable Alesmith beer that I that I had I, when I went out there in 2015. Um, Alesmith actually sold their original brewery facility to um, Keller. And so we went out there right during the transition of that. So Ailsmith's tap room was still there, but Keller was operating the brewery. So it was cool because we were walking through and they were playing like Danish rap music as they were like, ruining. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. So on uh, on that trip, we actually managed to snag a bottle which um, has not lasted in my cellar. I had that a couple years ago, but uh, it was the Beer Geek uh, Speedway Stout collab. Oh, oh man. Man. definitely. Yep. Uh, I know. I, I on on the one like for a second, I was like, do I still have one of those? But <laughs> that's long gone. Um, but just another fun elsemith uh story if you're if you're in the san diego area or you visit it's definitely worth worth visiting them okay. and the the old facility with uh with mckell
0: yeah. Yeah they made a beer in honor of Tony Gwynn's batting average. I mean, mm-hmm. think that, that alone puts them on my, on my They
2: yeah, Actually in their new facility, um, which is, has a much larger tap room. I, I visited that, but it was not fully open yet. When I was out there last, um, which has been open for several years now, I just haven't been back, but um, they have a Tony Gwynn museum. That they wow. actually run with his, you know, family and it's a whole foundation and everything. So it's supposed to be really cool place because you've got great tasting room, um, a museum. Wow. They have a very, very awesome. Harrison
0: always beer talks beer. about how brewing beer was such a difficult
1: job. <laughs> I uh, it's like a liar now. <laughs> 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 that's great. I know. I love El That's that's awesome. One of the things I always like
0: to check on, especially when I'm drinking an older beer, um, is I go to Untapped. And in a case like this, we kind of talked about it in part one of the show, but you know, you can check into Brooklyn Black Ops without a year, and it still counts as a check-in. Um, I've had this beer before, so I'm going to check into the Brooklyn Black Ops 2017 version, which exists on Untapped, even though it's out of production. Yeah. It amazes me that uh, Dave just checked into this same beer uh, about ten days ago. Mm. Jeff just a couple of days before him. Mike just before him. So. I always find it really cool to see that, you know, other people uh, are are kind of checking into theirs and it's still well-rated. Everybody seems to be giving it like a four, four and a half stars. Have have you guys seen anybody checking in the old beers that you guys brought as well?
2: Yeah. I saw um, somebody had checked in actually just, um, I think on the 26th to this, uh, to my beer, the barrel age, we have you from Ailsmith, but it was a 2012. So
0: Holy cow!
2: Even uh, wow. even older version, and I think it kind of speaks to the fact that a lot of people are uh, digging into the cellar in these. Yes,
1: that's a good so, yeah, point.
2: No time,
1: yeah. <laughs> right? That's we've been making that talking about that again and again. Now the time. If you have a huge cellar, this is why you did it. This is why you have it to to pull them out now and enjoy them. I found something similar. I looked at uh, the number thirty three release for Big Bad Baptist and. Uh, just about a month ago, David F had one saying, "Digging deep in the cellar tonight, 2014 bottle holding up well," um, which is great. And then, like a week before him, Norman had one too and, and rated it very highly. So, yep, yeah, just as uh, as as Jen said, people are jumping into the cellar, and uh, and I'm not alone here in checking this beer recently, which is uh, which is cool. I
2: know. Just when um, I was looking to, you know, trying to figure out what I was gonna drink on the show today i found two other beers that i was like oh i'm putting these in the fridge <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'll, right. um, I'll get to those uh i'll get that's to right. those probably tomorrow cool so that's sometimes great. you forget what you have until you start looking that's right. so
0: true that's harrison can attest to that right. he keeps that's it hidden behind the couch I my behind the couch I don't, I don't, i'm not tempted to um, dive in too early we got a question kind of recently and, and since you guys brought it up uh robert from the facebook group jen are you into drinking socially facebook group I am. Ah, I was I was hoping I'd catch her off guard. Um, no, I am and
2: uh, my entry question uh, was actually um Brooklyn. So that's kind of Oh nice. Uh yeah, your first first craft experience. What's your first craft experience, I think? Right, something right. like that. Yep. I, I went to college in New York City, so um Brooklyn was kind of my first experience with uh not the uh macros and Imports.
0: That's awesome. Uh, maybe we'll throw Jen proverbially under the bus later and I'll organize a QA <laughs> in the Facebook group for you guys that didn't, didn't get yeah. your questions answered. But Robert point. asked one earlier. And since we're on the, well, we're not on the topic of staying at home, but since we're all staying at home while we're recording this, he asks, um, you know, I've never really been much of a heavy drinker, but I find myself, you know, having a glass of beer or whiskey <laughs> almost every night now that we're all kind of quarantined at home or i say we're all but in this case the majority or a lot of people are uh, quarantined at home or stuck at home um and robert brings up a good point do you find yourself uh without you know having to leave to go to work or go get groceries you find yourself drinking more or (laughs) is it is it kind of changing you find yourself drinking less i'll open it up and say that easily i'm drinking not more in volume, but more often. I don't have to drive home after work, so it's really easy. To just open up a bottle at five o'clock or something. Uh, what about you, Jen?
2: Um, so I have been attempting to. I, I already, obviously, working in the industry was you know probably a couple beer a day kind of person. I mean, it's you know it, it's what what we do. Um, I have been trying to at least. Get myself to five, or sometimes four. But mm-hmm. try to usually if it's <laughs> after four, like four o two, right? Like okay, I can I can have something now. But I, I think I'm with you on the maybe not so much in volume, but earlier and <laughs> more often. Right. Um. Yeah, that's definitely. And you know, if if you look at grocery stores and and sales, I think. The majority of uh, people, at least in this area, are definitely with us. Yep.
1: yep, stocking up. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you guys probably uh, drinking, you know, probably eh, almost every night, but having a beer or two and and around five, and that's been great right now. I'm going to drive home. That's kind of your day is done when you, you know, walk away from your laptop, and that's, that's my commute now is the five feet from my laptop to my beer fridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've set my desk up well, um, I, I will tell you though, what's kind of changed habit wise is I used to be, my kind of standard was you know, two times a week on the way home from work, stop by a local bottle shop, grab a six pack or so, and like work through that until it was gone and then go back and do that again. Now though, I'm buying with these delivery options, I'll buy a case at a time and really stock up And so I kind of have a bottle shop in my house. <laughs> which is amazing. So, so the, the routine is still there of let me stop somewhere and grab a beer. The stop is just con- is already in my house. Uh, but I thought that was kind of interesting where I'm talking up on multiple of the same beer now, which I really don't usually do. I'm definitely, there's so much to drink out there. and Sometimes I almost feel silly buying like an entire six pack, which is not that much of a commitment. But now I've definitely kind of changed that, changed that tune a little bit because it's just easier to, uh, to get kind of more things at once because of course I'm not going out nearly as often as I as I was. So that's been interesting.
2: I think um, the ABV thing too, for me at least, because I, I was used to, you know, meeting people out for a beer at the end of the day. And, you know, whether I was at a brewery or a, a beer bar, um, you know, you look at, you're like, okay, well, I'm probably going to have two.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I would never order probably the barrel aged stout right. because i knew i wanted to have something else yep. and you know you're you're driving so right. um for me i'm like well it's five o'clock maybe i'll have that barrel aged now
1: that's right
0: <laughs> not <one> I, <laughs> I love it that's great i think i can agree i i've changed not just my habits but what i drink um i i drank through a whole 12 pack of the same beer much to harrison's point that wasn't something i was always trying to grab uh, as jen kind of referenced, sometimes there can be 800 new new brewery items or beer items in from from her distributor and then there's seven other ones in the same it's impossible to keep up but you always kind of tried to or i always kind of tried to and now <laughs> i find myself going for that nostalgia and right. like i'm i'm ready to drink a 12 pack of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale again um and every time i do i realize how amazing Uh, those those beers of
1: yesterday are if if i can say that well
2: they have the retro packaging so it is a beer of yesterday
1: that's right the night thanks for saving me
0: one more question before we roll on to i've got a a would you rather geared up and in relation to this episode but before we move away from cellaring and drinking these beers uh as socially as we can um uh, if you have one great. If not, we'll get as close as we can. But one of the talking points I wanted to touch on is cellaring a beer that goes wrong. Um, Whether it's within or without your control. Do you guys have an experience uh, of a time you drank a beer that was maybe cellared in a bad way or too long or or something like that? Just so uh, when it happens to everybody listening, they don't feel like they're the only ones to have made a mistake because I have plenty of them. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Um yeah I'll I'll jump in um we uh you know you guys probably maybe touched on uh cellaring sours or something with wild yeast uh at the beginning of the show and you know as as maybe we you've already talked about um the yeast can kind of ebb and flow on how active and inactive it is and I think that can also uh be accelerated by warm temps And I had a beer, which I will not name the brewery, but uh, I was going to use it on a podcast. And uh, I had brought it, I had grabbed it from the cellar and brought it upstairs. But then I, I went to work and I forgot about it. So I was like, oh, I have to go back and get this. So I go back. It's been sitting on my kitchen counter. It's North Carolina. So it's warm, sunny, it's humid. I picked the beer up, it was a corking cage, and it exploded in like the fire hose like around <sighs> the kitchen wow. um yeah and very very violently <laughs> so that was uh that was probably my worst experience with the cellar beer um i tried yeah. to clean it up the best i could i did not get to try the beer um but yes it was even you know a week later i was just finding little right. you know, box on the top <laughs> of the microwave and like the back wow. of the cabinet and it right. just absolutely geysered on me so that was yep. that was probably hilarious if you were just watching it right but, if, uh, if, if you would have had it on not so much fun to clean up. Yeah. yeah man oh man
1: oh gosh yep that's the that kind of beer too luckily it didn't happen in a brewery that happened to us that reminds me of a story when i was at neshaminy creek when a we brewed a Sour beer, we'd put it in the fermenters, and the it had a mixture of our kind of house blended um, uh, yeast we use, bugs we use for uh, for wild ales and spontaneously fermented stuff. And the, as it was being transferred one day, the seal on the racking port part of the tank like came apart, it, and it just shot. It's pressurized, just like shot all over, like an episode of guts just shot all over the floor, like it was Nickelodeon slime in an, in our cellar. And luckily, we had really intense cleaning practices that so just covered the whole thing in Quat, which is like an intense industrial food grade cleaner um, and had no problems with any other beer. Uh, but that like nightmare of like, oh my God, this is beer spilling. And it's get a scary beer you don't want to spill all have it at once Um, made for quite, uh, quite a lot of colorful language and then quite a lot of cleaning very quickly and, and got away unscathed. But, uh, at the moment we're all kind of like, well, did we just destroy all the beer in the cellar by doing this? So glad that's in the past. Um, personally though, I haven't, I haven't had anything like that, Jen, where something blows up in my hand, thank goodness. Um, uh, but most of my bad stories come from human error where and really the one that I uh, comes to mind first is was moving once and had whatever was late at night and packing all week and all that stuff. And through the last thing I think I packed was the cellar, put it in a box I put together. Next day I'm moving it and pick it up and uh, all the beers just fall at the bottom of the box because I had like just poorly taped it, didn't double tape it, didn't grab from the bottom, whatever it was. And just like, sh- and I lost probably like 15 bottles. And I didn't even... I think I was, I just had it up so high, obviously a box in front of me. I just kind of felt like some vibrations and then heard glass And I had no idea like what was going on until someone's like, Oh, Oh, uh, yeah, don't look. And I like felt my socks wet. And I was like, no, no, no. All the beer has been destroyed. So that was a bummer. Cause that had been kind of probably the peak of my like cellar, if you will, where almost every time I bought a beer, I bought another one <clears throat> and that was one of the bigger boxes they were in. So Never got to try a lot of beers that I had my sights set on, but again, that was in the past. That's why I keep celery and just don't put it in a poorly constructed box. Just be better than be better than I was. Learn from me.
0: <laughs> There's not an easy way to follow that. I was just expecting like, oh, and it tasted horrible. But uh, no, Jen ruined her kitchen. Harrison ruined a brewery and a box full of beers. Um, the story that comes to mind for me was it happened during a hurricane and it w- we kind of had to start opening some of our cellar beers because whenever a hurricane happens, you lose power and it's 95 degrees every day, even during the night. Those two <laughs> things are a part of a hurricane. So right. I had just gone to the Answer Brew Pub in Richmond, Virginia, and I had some of their crawlers that had to stay cold. I had received my first Pliny the Elder um, mm. from a from a accidental mail accident, and um, right. and I had uh, other <laughs> like beers that I that I've been cellaring, and, and here now like the temperature in the house is ninety four degrees, and everything's just going bad. So I looked at my wife and I said, you know, we can throw these away, and that seems horrid, or we can <laughs> drink them you know, kind of warm as they are, but that seems better than just throwing them away or letting them explode. So we started with the answer beer. And as soon as we opened the the crawler, it was like an explosion, but we did it outside, Jen. So that saves me that trouble. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, Pliny
0: the Elder, really, really warm, was a terrible first experience. I didn't check it in. I didn't rate it. But the one that broke my heart the most was we had been saving, um, Perfect marriage goose from uh Brewery Boont, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's probably oh, long, yep.
2: the mariage Parfait. Yep. Yeah. Um, That's it, a fantastic beer.
0: It is under normal circumstances. In a <laughs> um, it was a small, it was like a 500ml corking cage. And I mm-hmm. remember thinking, this one's fine. This is like, you can age this for 20 years. This is going to stand up. It's a perfect marriage. It'll get through mm-hmm. some rough times. And it was early in my career of, of of trying to like Sours. And I remember drinking that one after the two other kind of poor experiences that I'd inflicted on myself and just thinking like, oh man, I'm not going to like Sours anymore. My wife and I are arguing because we're hot and there's no power and the <laughs> marriages. There's so many implications on this right. beer. But um, those are different. Ultimately, if you're going to sell her beers for a long time, you'll run into some uncontrollable accidents accidents is you'll taste things that probably weren't meant to be tasted in the beer (laughs) but that's kind of the fun behind it you're experimenting and Mm -hmm. uh science is taking over in that bottle so don't expect everyone to turn out perfect but the joy is when they do Uh, which i think all three of us got a little lucky tonight absolutely and that brings me to i
2: think we had three winners
0: tonight that's right uh the stars are aligned um, during, during this taping of, uh, drinking socially. And that brings me to a layup. Would you rather, uh, I know we've tried it, We've done some before that are just really hard to answer. So this one is, um, is a little simpler. Uh, I'll put you on the spot to answer first, Jen. Um, as, as, is. The now norm when we have a guest on the show. <laughs> um, so would you rather, uh, if I give you one beer, I've just opened John's Secret Brewery. We've only <laughs> produced this one 12% stout and it's got cool adjuncts in it. And it's got a wax sealed top. And I'm only giving you one of these beers. Would you rather drink it right now and experience it for what it is or seller it and hope that it gets better? And can can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit?
2: Um so I think I would say I'm going to cellar it. And I think to me, you know, part of the cellaring or the collecting beers or or whatever you want to call it is it's also about the memories and the experiences that you had and where you got them. Um you know, it was fun for me to talk about the stories from 5 6 years ago with this beer that I tried today and when I travel is when I tend to pick up Beers for the seller, and when you do open them, then you get to look back and you know share those memories with other people. I wish I could have shared this beer with you guys today, but at least Same. I could share the memories. And I think that's you know for me, it's more of a it's more of a gathering and a you know remembering the times kind of memento situation, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think I would probably sell it, and then I could remember it's Harrison's.
1: Awesome 12% beer from his brand new <laughs> So right, that, yeah. that happened three years ago, where whenever I, I drink it. Harrison? <sighs> yeah, John. So, if I'm, <laughs> I mean, if you know, <clears throat> I always try and wheeze on my way out of these and to pick some alternative thing, doesn't thought of it, he won't let me do it ever. So, I'm, not, I'm probably not even going to try. So, I say, although that may change in 30 seconds. I guess I'll, if that's the scenario, you're handing me your cool, goofy marshmallow, imperial stout thing aged in uh you know lincoln logs and i'm going to sit on that for for i'm gonna, i'm going to sell it um i, I am and it's it probably the biggest reason for right now is that i'm kind of a victim of my own patterns and habits and we've had two big dark beers back to back and now all i want to do is drink cellar big dark beers so my mind right now is thinking about what else is in my cellar? What can I sell that I have that I was gonna drink that I may enjoy more later? You know, it's obviously all subjective, but this that feeling that I had tonight, I think we all kind of had of right before you open it up of is there going to be any CO2? Is this gonna be good or not? Like that's a fun experience that you shouldn't be having from a beer you just bought that was, you know, just packaged. Um so I do like that the kind of chance and science and whatever want to call it that comes into play with this, especially um, if it's a beer, you know, well, and when you've had a bunch and you have the opportunity to sit on something for longer, um, that's a, a no brainer for me, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do it too. I'm going to summon the willpower from within and say, I will wait on you. John's, you know, Abraham Lincoln lager, whatever it is, <laughs> we'll sit that down for a while. And, uh, and then and try it uh, next year. What about you, John? What's the what's the thinking? That means a lot to me, Harrison, that you would age my Harrison Her-
0: Abraham <laughs> double Lincoln Bach lager. Right.
1: That's it. The, um, I am,
0: the Abraham. That's right. Yep. I am is going to be the name <laughs> of the brewery. Um, I would. Uh, so I'll, uh, part of me is going to go against the trend here just because it. that's what I do. But um, I'm going to drink it right away. And I'm gonna do it because one of my favorite things is drinking a cellared beer. It's an amazing beer. I wish that you would be able to buy them off the shelf easier. but it's so it's more fun for me to be able to compare this three year old black ops with what the fresh version tasted like and see how that change, what that change actually uh, did. So for me, I'm gonna drink it right away. And I'm gonna hope, uh, as is how I live my life, that I find someone that has sellered it and I can be friends with them and we can share it um, or we can trade later down the road. But I agree. I think Jen made a great point, And we all kind of referenced it in our cellaring nightmares that a lot of times you're not just cellaring a beer in the hopes that it gets better with time, but you're kind of holding on to a memory. Um, so there's a, a beautiful nostalgia involved in that. But, on the other end, we kind of gave a good lesson in economics as well um you should You should have a savings account, um and that's your <laughs> beer seller, so either way, hopefully you're taking something valuable away from listening to our longest show ever That's right if you need to catch up if you want to learn more about Jen. she's in the Facebook group, so you can talk to her on there, uh, oh. or we're going to put links to her show and her social media in the show notes for uh, this episode at podcast. com. If you have any questions or feedback, you can connect directly with Untapped
1: at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram um, or directly with us, Harrison. Yeah, at uh, yeah, facebook.com slash drinking socially and once again, thanks Jen for coming out today or for, for we all I guess no one went anywhere but for <laughs> joining us today in this virtual bar, you know, bar created in the in the internet in this in space wherever this internet comes from. Um but it's it's been it's been a blast. The beer is working. Um and other than that, uh we'll see you guys in two weeks.
2: Right. Cheers. Thank you guys. Yeah.
1: Cheers.